This is Dave Smith, author of Disney Trivia from the Vault and Disney A to Z, and you're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 89 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we begin a two-part interview with Don Morin, founder of the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet. I'll tell you more about him and what that is in the official introduction to the interview. But if you've ever wondered how someone goes from fan to creator of a fan convention, or how those are put together, you're definitely going to want to stick around for this. Now before we begin, I have a special request. For the D23 Expo in August, there were a flood of new media applications, and Disney seriously tightened the availability of the credentials. So for whatever reason, I didn't get approved for a media credential. That doesn't say anything about what they think of my validity or legitimacy or anything like that. They just didn't have enough space to approve everybody. Really, all I needed it for two years ago was admission. I didn't do much and didn't provide anything for you, the listeners, that required it. I expect the same would be true this year. What that means is, if you'd like to hear reports, see pictures and video, and more with a Stories of the Magic twist, I need your help to go. All I really need is about $100. I can handle the rest. If you can help at all, please PayPal me whatever you're willing and able to support me with using podcast at storiesofthemagic.com as the receiving address. For everyone who contributes, I will publicly thank you on the show. And if you have something special you'd like to see coverage of, I will do my best to fulfill your request. Now, in this episode, Don talks about how he became interested in Disney, why he created the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet, how he created it, the PNW Mouse Meet's first keynote speaker. She's a recent Stories of the Magic guest. Building it year after year. What makes the Mouse Meet unique among conventions? Some of the games they play. Whether he had any trouble getting the first guests. Who he's wanted to have as a guest and didn't think it would happen, but they asked anyway and got a yes. Spending time with the featured guests outside of the meet. Dream guests that he hasn't gotten yet. And what Disney thinks of Dawn and the P&W Mouse Meet. After the interview, we have a great listener feedback segment. Past Stories of the Magic guest Brian Levine called in to share a recent day at Disneyland that his family spent with Disney legend Alice Davis. He also included a few photos, so check out the show notes for this episode at storiesofthemagic.com slash 089 to see them. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're, we're huge, huge Disneyland, Disneyland fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on Earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news, some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. 
we uncover little-known and often overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures, and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort, or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www.talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a, a Mickey, Mickey day. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. Here on Stories of the Magic, we've had Disney fans who've written books, created albums, and worked for the company. This time we have a first, though. This will be the first one who's ever created a Disney convention. Don Morin became a Disney fan in high school when his history class was tasked with researching and writing about a historical figure of the 20th century. From the list, Don chose Walt Disney. Excellent choice, by the way. As he began his research, he quickly became more and more fascinated by Walt Disney, his leadership, creativity, drive for success, and resulting accomplishments. Don now owns an extensive library of books on all things Disney and collects mostly Disney theme park-related collectibles that have been used or seen in the parks, such as signs, banners, and even an attraction vehicle or two. Beyond just being a fan or collector, Don founded the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet in 2009. I first heard about it in 2012 when I listened to Lou Mangiello of WDW Radio interview Paige O'Hara, the voice of Belle in Beauty and the Beast. The PNW Mouse Meet is an unofficial Disney fan event that was created by Disney fans for Disney fans. This annual event provides Disney enthusiasts the opportunity to get together in the Pacific Northwest to share and celebrate all things Disney. The PNW Mouse Meet is comprised of a variety of experiences, including Disney celebrities and community celebrities, Disney and collectibles vendors, Disney fan collection displays, pin trading, trivia, food, including Dole Whips, hidden Mickeys, many surprises, prizes, and fantastic auction items for charity. Disney fan meeting, Disney fans, a little magic, a little pixie dust, and so much more. That is pretty impressive, and I can't wait to delve into it more. So, Don, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Hello, Randy. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. It is my pleasure. And before we even get into the regular questions, i got to know, which attraction vehicle or vehicles do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's changed a little bit over the last couple of years, but right now I have a Disneyland Skyway bucket. uh, Nice. Red number 11. Okay. And we also have a Space Mountain vehicle, uh, number 14, and it's from the early 90s. It was the first generation that included the speakers on the cars. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, definitely the ones where they actually planned the the audio system well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting to have those. I had the Mr. Toad's Wild Ride car from Disney World. Uh, I did end up trading that for the Space Mountain car. I, I, I have a bit of a preference towards Disneyland uh, due to, uh, you know, my childhood and, and uh, the proximity. And so uh, I, I've changed it over to just Disneyland vehicles. You never know what uh, might arrive in the garage in the future. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> So I touched on this in the intro, but how did you become interested in Disney? I, 
Yeah, good question. Uh, wait, uh, good one to start out with. Several, you know, probably like anyone, it's, it was kind of a process along the way, several steps, family trips when we were young, uh, summer trips driving down from the Northwest. Uh, it, you mentioned it in the intro. Uh, in high school, our creative writing class, our, our teacher asked us to draw to write a paper on someone from the 20th century. And uh, I was going down the list on like Abraham Lincoln, president, he's on the $5 bill, okay, Mark Twain. This Walt Disney guy though, is he, he's not even real, is he? And I thought, I thought I'd get one over on the teacher and, and, and choose this person that I didn't even think was real at the time. And mm -hmm. uh, back then there was no internet, uh, so I relied on relatives and going to the library and checking on the Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, and, and doing all my research, and I started to learn things about Walt, and it really intrigued me. It's, it's not only a real person, but uh, he had some amazing uh, values and, and ways of, of, of doing his business and, and, and making entertainment. Uh, so it really intrigued me. And so over the years, uh, I continued to go to the parks, but I'd look at him in a different way and uh, started collecting and uh, – it really focused in on Disneyland collectibles and, and just really grew over the years. And, and uh, then finally I started attending different Disney fan events and conventions and, and uh, you know, the rest of the story from there, I ended up creating my own. Yeah. So you had been going to the parks even before this assignment. Uh, we had relatives down in Orange County area. And so once every summer we do the family road trip in the station wagon, visit our relatives. And one day, uh, we'd go over to Disneyland, and I, I have a couple pictures from when we were little, and and you know with Donald Duck, a photo with Donald Duck, uh, uh, and and just great memories from way back. Uh, very exciting times, but yeah, once a year, we always looked forward to that. Okay, uh, if this doesn't give your age way too much, or if you don't care about giving away your age, do you know what year your first trip was? Oh, boy, you know, I was talking with a friend the other day about that, and I don't know exactly what year. Um, if I had to take a good guess, it'd be about 1974. Ah, okay. So a pretty fair ways back. Definitely been a lot of changes since yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. I was probably seven years old and uh, kind of remember it, uh, but uh, remembered a lot from the photos and that. Uh, uh, but obviously it had a, a, an effect on me for sure. Yeah, clearly. Now, you know, it's one thing to be a Disney fan, but starting a fan convention is another level entirely. So why did you create the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet? All of those things we talked about, about becoming a Disney fan and getting deeper into it, and my, my Disney switch flipped, and, and uh, I was this, I was this uh, big Disney fan on so many levels and started to really have a desire to learn about how or, or, or who was creating all this magic. And so I, I ended up finding several conventions, the Disneyana fan conventions in, in Southern California, and there were others. And I'd travel down to them, and I'd hear these wonderful speakers. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, these people make the magic. And uh, whether it was uh, working on the films or, or, or being an Imagineer, creating the magic in the parks, and it just really intrigued me. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get down to every meeting or convention or, or presentation so that frustrated me a little bit, and I thought, oh, maybe there's other people that want to see those conventions or those people talk as well. Maybe uh, maybe it'd be a good idea to do something up here in the Northwest. I don't even know if it's possible, but hey, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, it's definitely worth a try. Now, you live in the Seattle area, right? So that's where the PNW Mouse Meet is. Yeah, I live about 20 miles north of Seattle. The The uh, event takes place in the Linwood Convention Center, about 15 miles north of Seattle. Okay. When we started, uh, you know, 
being in the Northwest, I knew there was a lot of Disney fans in California. They live by Disneyland. Why not? Uh, or, or by the studios. But uh, I didn't know if there was more than five or 10 or 15 Disney fans in the Northwest. And so that first year was uh, pretty nerve wracking, uh, but ended up becoming pretty exciting. Yeah. How did you create the mouse meat? Like how, what did it take to get started with something like that? I can't even imagine going from, Hey, I'm a fan to I'm creating a convention. How did that work? Yeah. I've been talking to a therapist ever since, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but seriously, uh, you know, my, I started really small. I thought, you know, uh, my initial goal was maybe a, a room in a community center or a library, and we'd have a few tables. Some of us Disney fans locally would bring some collectibles we maybe wanted to sell or trade. Maybe I'd do a presentation on my love of Disneyland or or, or whatever, you know, we're just kind of throwing something together. And if, if I would have got 40 people at the time, I would have been thrilled when I uh, first started planning the event. After a while, you know, you get excited about it. You start planning. You start talking to different people, and and uh, you start finding out that hey, maybe there's more than just a few Disney fans up here in the Northwest. And uh, so the plans got a little bigger and a little bit bigger. And I started talking seriously about maybe the possibility of, of getting a, an actual real guest speaker from that that's related to Disney up to Seattle, uh, and. Uh, uh, we're all said and done, first year we sold out with 150 guests, and Lou Mangello, you mentioned him earlier, uh, he came all the way from Florida, and he was a guest speaker, and of all people, uh, couldn't believe it, uh, Margaret Carey, the original model for Tinkerbell, uh, was our featured guest speaker, and we couldn't be more thrilled and excited. We thought we had hit the jackpot. This was the pinnacle. We got so lucky the first year, and it was just an amazing, amazing year, and I met so many other Disney fans and made great friends. It was just a wonderful, wonderful day. Wow. Yeah, Margaret Carey's great. It in some ways doesn't surprise me at all that she would be your first kind of featured keynote speaker. Uh, if I remember correctly, you just had her on a couple episodes ago. You're correct, yeah. She is fantastic, and she is a, not only a, a great person, and obviously she was the model for Tinkerbell, but she did she's done a number of voices over the years, a lot of acting. She's so motivational. I just love her energy and spark, even at her age. Uh uh, she still carries that bit of Tinkerbell in her, which is really cool. Oh, that she does. Yeah. I don't think she could get Tink out of her if she tried. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And we're actually, we have her coming back this year. Uh, we get so many requests for her. Uh, we, we found a way to get her back up. So we're very excited about that. Oh, that's great. So you started at 150 people. Was it at the Linwood Convention Center then too? It was. There's a couple different levels in the convention center and we started out on the lower smaller level and uh, we used the smaller rooms down there and we had a, um, a kind of a theater room a lot of seating and a stage where we did the presentations and then we also had a, a separate small room with um, various kind of people selling their Disney Annawares or uh, uh, travel agents authors just people kind of meeting and greeting and Disney fans meeting each other which was really cool. Okay. Was it a one-day event then? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was a one-day event. Can't imagine doing this for more than one day. Actually, can't <laughs> imagine doing it for one day, but for more than one day. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. And I'm just I'm thinking about how all of these pieces pulled together. So was there a point where you realized that this is really going to be something bigger than I ever 
thought it was going to be at first. Like even just this first year is going to be um, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that first year, I mean, throughout the the uh, planning process and and like I mentioned, it just kept the idea kept getting a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger, and we actually had a to hold ourselves back a little bit because we had so many ideas that we wanted to throw out there, but we wanted to make sure that we, we didn't, you know, go broke and fill up all our credit cards doing the first year. We wanted to keep it manageable and, and uh, keep it intimate and exciting for all of the Disney fans that would attend. And so that first year just exceeded all expectations. We were just like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. How do we go anywhere from here? And uh, each year, it just gets a little bit bigger, a little different, a little what we feel is better, and uh, we get more people following us and joining in on all the fun. So exciting. Yeah. At what point did you realize, we're going to do this more than once? <laughs> uh, we couldn't <laughs> believe we got to do it at least once. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, as soon as it was over, uh, we started sitting down. We we're like, wow, you know, we're, the feedback we're getting is extremely positive uh, that, you know, the 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 excitement and and even a few weeks later we were still getting notes saying hey i'm still on this disney high and we can't uh, we can't say how much how, how important this event attending your event was, was to us and and we hope you do it again and so that kind of really energized us you know it's very exciting we were so excited and for other people to be so excited about it really energized us and we were, we just wanted to steamroll right ahead and uh, again, our excitement was huge, and we had to temper that back to make sure we didn't uh, we stayed within certain bounds as we continued to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I can only imagine how difficult it would have been to try to restrain yourselves but still dream a little bigger at the same time. Yeah, yeah, we've been very very lucky that we've been able to do that, and it takes a lot of. Um, willpower and and thinking it through and making sure that uh, everything we do add to the event or we grow it a little bit, we move to the upper level of the convention center to a larger space, uh, everything we do, we want to hope and, 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 and try our hardest to make sure that it's adding something relevant to our guests, to our guest speakers, uh, to the experience overall. Uh, we really, you know, I mentioned earlier that uh, I, I really studied and researched Walt. I've got almost every book on Walt Disney here, uh, video uh, documentaries, and I'm excited about the one coming out this fall, but I really try and take his values and, 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 and creating magic and giving the, the guests just a little more than they expect. Uh, obviously I'll never be anything like Walt Disney or an Imagineer, but uh, we try and, and follow those similar values and, 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 and give the guests uh, uh, the most magical day that we possibly can as fans doing it for our, our fellow fans. Right. And even if we can't be Walt Disney or one of those massively you know, prolific creatives that work for the Walt Disney Company or something, those values and uh, you know, approaches and mindset definitely translates across to pretty much any field, any endeavor. Totally agree. And in my real job, uh, believe it or not, uh, in all my work on this mouse meet, I do have a real job out there. And uh, <laughs> I, I do take all, a lot of those values to my what, what I do professionally and, uh, you know, giving my customers or business partners more than they expect and giving it to them in an entertaining way uh, without, you know, putting too much Disney in there. But uh, they really appreciate it and they respond to it. And uh, continuing that uh, and making that the number one focus 
as we move forward with the mouse meat is definitely a priority and what's kept us uh, uh, luckily so popular and, and um, each year we sell out so we must be doing something right yeah and you cap it currently at what 400 guests yes yeah for about the last three years we've capped it at 400 we don't want to get any bigger, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, at our event, our, our event maybe is a little bit unique in that uh, once you buy a ticket to the event, you know as a guest to our event that you have a seat for every presentation. You have time and, and uh, space to move around and, and see everything, do everything. You don't have to wait in long lines uh, to get into a particular show and, and wonder if you're going to get into this particular presentation or not. You get to see and do everything if that's what you choose. That's fantastic. There's definitely something to be said for having a whole lot to do and having to pick and choose, but it's really nice to be able to to know you're going to be able to go into it, being able to see and do everything. It takes a little bit of the stress out for the guest and uh, for me as well. I mean, uh, I, I don't want anyone to miss out on, on these things. I I, I, I mentioned earlier I went to a lot of conventions and presentations elsewhere whenever I could, whenever I could afford it or had the time. And there was things that I really liked about those. And, and then there were other things were like, man, I wish they I, – I'd like to see it a little bit different. So when I created the Mouse Meet, I created this event uh, kind of in my mind's eye of what I would like to attend. Uh, and so you know, I don't want to be the one – waiting out in the hallway, wishing I got in. I, I wasn't early enough in line. So I try and make sure everyone gets in there. I try and provide enough uh, Disneyana um, sellers for everyone, a nice variety. And I, you know, we have authors and travel agents and podcasters there and, and just a, you know, nice overall variety, interactive things. We want to keep people entertained and, and busy all the time, something to do. But even the most important part is uh, we try and do interactive games throughout the day, as well as having name badges with people's name clearly on the front so that they can talk to each other and find ways to interact because we're all Disney fans in this place. And when you're out in the real world or, or at work, uh, maybe not everyone in your office is a Disney fan, but here everyone is, and you can talk Disney. We all have the same common interests, and that's very exciting. Yeah. Can you give me an example of some of the interactive games that you've done? Yeah, yeah. So um, Mouse Fan Travel, they do a, a bingo game where there'll be a whole bunch of squares, and it'll say something like Disney Cruise or uh, D23 Expo, and you have to find someone in the event, uh, another guest, that's been to one of those or done one of those activities, then once you do, the, have them sign that box, and once you have all the boxes signed, uh, you can turn it in for a prize. But the goal of it is to talk to other guests. And uh, so, oh, you've been on a cruise. Can you sign my paper? And which cruise was it? Because I was on this cruise, and pretty soon they're building a friendship and getting to know each other. And uh, we have um, Mickey trivia hunts. We have uh, Mickey heads all over the all over the convention space. And you flip up the the, the flap, and, and there's a trivia question. You fill in the answer, and uh, you bring in that bring in that filled in and completed answer sheet, and you win a prize and things like that. Uh, we have a lot of photo ops in the convention space that we create from scratch uh, that are Disney themed without crossing any lines, of course, uh, but uh, right. <laughs> uh, just a lot of different things. Uh, pin trading. There's a lot of pin trading. People bring their pin books and, and show them off, and, and there's pin trading involved. All of our volunteer team, we carry hip lanyards uh, with pins on there, and we'll trade with any guests uh, 
that, that would like to trade with us and, and we have a great time with that. Wow, that sounds great. I got to say, those all sound interesting and like a lot of fun, but I was listening to the, the bingo description and I thought, wow, an introvert would just be absolutely terrified by this. <laughs> and then you described the trivia one and there's the one for the introverts. Okay. <laughs> so it's good that you've got yeah, a balance. Absolutely. I, I, we, we want to try. And, and some of those were developed because we'll get emails saying, hey, I want to meet more people. Can you, I, I don't know quite how to introduce myself, but if you had something interactive. So we came up with a certain a game that would, uh, have people interact with people on a low level, you know, a non, non-assuming level. And then um, we had other people that were like, you know, I really enjoy the event, but I just want to, I, I don't want to go talk to people and I, I don't want to have them have to ask them to sign my paper. Do you have other things? So we created other interactive things for that. Try and meet all the needs uh, of our guests uh, that we can. Sure. Yeah, there's obviously a limit to what you can do just with time and space and capacity and budgets and all those kinds of things. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so that's great. It, it sounds like you've went the the classic uh, kind of business model approach where you start with something that you're passionate about, and then as quote customers figure out, you know, discover this and then give you feedback on what specifically they want. Then now your customers are telling you what you want and then you give them what you, what they want. Oh, you, you've kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I, I created the event to be an event that I would love to attend, but that doesn't mean that it has to be a certain specific way. If, if uh, guests, guests have questions or input, uh, I take a lot of that and, and we've molded the mouse meet into what it is. And you'll see uh, anyone that attends this year, will see changes uh, because of feedback that we've had in the, in the past couple of years. Okay. And we'll definitely talk more about what this year's is going to be like, even though I'm sure by now you're sold out, right? Yes. Yes, we are. We uh, have been extremely fortunate to, to be able to sell out every year of our seven years. And, and this year we sold out about um, 45 days before the event. So we're very excited about that. It helps us. It allows us to focus on just creating the, all the details of the magic leading up to the event instead of worrying about uh, getting those last few tickets sold. So that's very exciting and a bit of a relief for us and helps us get our job done. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll still talk a little about it so people know what they're missing that aren't going and they can start planning for next year so that they can get their tickets you know, as soon as possible once those are available. Um, but meanwhile, kind of talking about the mouse meet overall, You've had a lot of amazing featured guests over the last several years. I was looking on the website and thinking back to the interviews. We mentioned Margaret Carey and uh, Lou Mangello and Paige O'Hara, and I know Tony Baxter's been up there and others. But did you have any trouble getting the first ones? I know you mentioned Margaret Carey was the first uh, and Lou, but did you have any trouble getting them or any of the others? Every one of them is a challenge. I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, every every one of them uh, schedules. I mean, especially an Imagineer who's currently working for Disney, they're traveling all over the place, or or you have the 60th anniversary uh, getting ready to kick off or or celebrate, uh, and their demand for other other presentations or talks or conventions. So it can always be a challenge, and it was really a challenge in the beginning, because creating a Disney fan event outside of, of those markets like around Anaheim or Los Angeles or Florida is kind of rare. I mean, there's, there's fan clubs around, 
but uh, they get together and, and, and I'm a member of a couple of them up here and, and, and it's a great time to get together, but to take it to the next level and create an event where you have someone actually flying up and, and taking a weekend out of their year or life to come up to your event. And those first couple of years, they had no idea who I was. What is a Pacific Northwest mouse meat? I'm a little nervous about the name there. Uh, is it mouse meat or mouse meat? Uh, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, it was extremely challenging and, and it took a lot of talking and, and convincing. Uh, but one of the fortunate things we've had happen for us is our guest speakers really enjoyed what they were a part of up here. Uh, Margaret Carey had a great time. Lou Mangiello talked about us on his podcast and, and they'd go tell other people. And so that helped us get folks, uh, uh, new speakers for the, for, for the following years. And now uh, in year seven, uh, you know, that if you mentioned Pacific Northwest mouse meat, it's likely that they've heard of it. Uh, and uh, if I call a, a past guest speaker, they're very willing to recommend others and put me in contact with them. So it's been uh, just a very fortunate experience to not only be able to have these guest speakers up, but they have such a great time, uh, not only being a part of the event, but meeting all of the Disney fans up here in the Northwest and, and getting to know the great people up here that uh, they want to recommend us. And uh, you, you can't get a better compliment or, or, or recommendation than that, right? Absolutely. And that is a great testament to you and to the kind of event that you put on and the kind of person you are, because if those things weren't in place, then these people wouldn't have a good time and they wouldn't talk about it and recommend it to others. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And, you know, part of it's reputation. And uh, but to earn that, I mean, you've got to work really hard and, and show them that uh, what direction you want to go and what you mean to do with your event. You earn their trust, respect, and and then you get those personal personal recommendations. And sometimes getting a guest speaker takes several years. They don't say yes the first time, or maybe they have other commitments. And so it might take a year, two years, three years. And Don Hahn was a great example. Uh, you know, he heard about us and, and uh, I talked to him and he was like, yeah, well, I got this movie coming out. And uh, so maybe next year and then uh, the next year. And, and finally we he came up last year. He he found some time. So it sometimes it ends up working out. Yeah, definitely. Has there been anybody that you've wanted to have as a guest, but you thought, you know, there's just no way I'll get this person. I'll ask, but it just isn't going to happen. And then they said yes. <laughs> uh, just look at the list of all the guest speakers <laughs> that we have. <laughs> and that was our exact thought process is, you know, we'd, we, you know, we'd sit there and brainstorm and, and uh, hey, what about, uh, you know, Bob Gurr? Or, hey, what about you know, Bill Farmer, Marty Sklar, and we'd laugh. <laughs> we'll never get Marty Sklar. Come on, you're dreaming. Uh, and, and uh, you know, every one of them. But then it was like, well, why don't we try? And, you know, I talked to Margaret Carey after the first year, and I said, do you know Bob Gurr? And she was like, yeah, he lives down the street from me. And and uh, I'll talk to him. And, and and so we got Bob Gurr the second year. And, and it just kind of snowballed like that. And every time we'd be like, well, you know, remember we had Marty Sklar on the list? Why don't how about if we check and see what happens? And sure enough, you know, Marty Sklar comes up and then Tony Baxter and every one of them was a no way. We'll never get that person. And, you know, I mentioned Don Hahn. I mean, author, executive producer of Lion King and and Maleficent most recently. I mean, wow, we got Don Hahn. I couldn't believe it. 
Yeah. Like you said, that list is incredible. And I know exactly what you mean when I started the podcast, which is a much smaller endeavor. So it requires much less for a potential guest to say yes. But one of the very first people that I contacted was Dave Smith from the Walt Disney Archive. Uh And I hadn't even put out an episode yet. And I just said, hey, here's what I'm doing or what I want to do. Would you be interested in being a guest on the show? And he re- when he replied, he said, yeah, I think that would be great. And, you know, I noticed you live in Southern California, not too far from me. You want to just come to my house and do the interview in person? <laughs> Why, yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> oh, boy, that's amazing. So. Yeah, I, I'm sure you've had a number of experiences uh, similar. And uh, Dave Smith is such a wonderful person. And and he's so much like that. Hey, come to my house. Who would have known you? I mean, you your best uh, hope was probably, hey, I'll get him on the podcast. I'll get to interview him, and all of a sudden you're sitting in his home. It's very exciting. Exactly. Yeah, and I can imagine that it's got to go to even another level when they come up there because now, you know, you're not sitting in their home, which is pretty cool. But they are at least figuratively, possibly in some cases, literally sitting in your home. People come over and uh, I'll say, you know, that chair right there, Marty Sklar sat in that chair. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, uh, kidding. Uh, But uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have them up for a weekend. I get to spend time with these folks. Sometimes we'll have some extra time and I'll show them around the the city. Uh, We took Tony Baxter to the Space Needle for dinner after an event a couple years ago. And that was the first time he had been back to the Space Needle since he was 11 years old and visited during the World's Fair in 1962. Oh, wow. And so it was a great experience for him. And I got to be there and share that with him. And, uh, you know, we've had most of these guest speakers at our, like you mentioned, at our home. And we kind of do a little thing to get to know each other the night before and kind of lay out how the event's going to go. And and just to be able to spend time with these folks and learn a little bit more on, about them on a personal basis, not just what they do and, and who they are, but uh, what, what their hobbies are. And, 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 you know, Dave Smith, you probably saw in his home, he has an extensive collection of autographs. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, and those autographs are nothing to do with Disney for the most part. He loves Abraham Lincoln and, and uh, a lot of different signatures from, from history. It's really neat. Yeah. At last I heard he was one, I think one short of having all of the signers from the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Tony Anselmo, he has a voice of Donald Duck. He has an, uh, an amazing movie poster collection, original movie marquee poster collection. And uh, it'd be phenomenal to have him do a, a display in, in a museum somewhere. The things, oh, you learn, yeah. the things that you learn about these folks is just incredible. I, I just love that aspect of it. Absolutely. I had no idea about that, about Tony Anselmo. That's really interesting. Um, do you have any dream guests? Anybody you haven't got yet, but you'd really like to? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, every person on that list was a dream guest at one point or another. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, having people like uh, uh, Kevin Rafferty, he, he's been an Imagineer for 30 plus years, and, and most recently he worked on Cars Land, creating Cars Land. And Floyd Norman, a Disney legend, uh, animator who worked with Walt Disney himself, and Jack Lindquist, every one of them is just this dream guest, and, and it's incredible. Uh, in the future, uh, I mean, John Lasseter 
wouldn't that be incredible? Or any, anyone from Pixar, really. Uh, uh-huh. that, that's a tough one to get into. And, and uh, now you got all these new uh, universes, Star Wars and, and Marvel. I mean, uh, if if my wife had had her say, I'd have Chris Hemsworth here next year <laughs> uh, from uh, 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 Thor and right. the Avengers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot on the dream list. And some of these folks, you know, Bob Iger, I'd love to have him and talk a little Disney with him. Uh, but uh, will those ever happen? Uh, never say never. I, I didn't think that Margaret Carey would happen or, or any of these other guests. So we just keep moving forward and, and keep inviting and see where it goes. you got to keep going, got to keep dreaming. Now, some of these people currently work for Disney. Some of them either are retired. Some of them are independent contractors. Like I know the voices are, um, are contract players, yep. but some of these people actually work for Disney at the time. So how does the Walt Disney Company feel about you? Uh, well, uh, 1-800-DISNEY, I think, is what you can call to find out. <laughs> uh, uh, but seriously, uh, you know, at, in the beginning, they they really didn't know who I was. And, and I'd call and say, hey, can I talk to, you know, can I maybe get a contact for so-and-so? And, and they'd be like, yeah, we, we uh, respectfully, we, we don't really know what the mouse meat is. And so uh, we're going to pass it this time. And they're really nice about it, but uh, it was a challenge. And and after a while, I, I you know Tony Baxter was my first official Disney employee at the time. Now he's obviously retired and is a Disney legend, has a window on Main Street. Uh, but at the time, he worked for Disney the first time he was here. And I had to go through some hoops and go through a gatekeeper and and uh, get some authorizations, answer a lot of questions. Uh, but it ended up happening, and that was kind of the first step into the Disney company as far as getting someone that worked for the company uh, currently. And that worked really well. And Kevin Rafferty ended up coming up and, and uh, Glenn Barker uh, last year. And now I have Joe Harrington, uh, another Imagineer, 38 years, uh, who's coming this year. And ironically enough, I'm this uh, I, I'm so honored to be able to have D23s actually coming up this year. And they're going to be a part of our event, uh, participating, uh, talking to guests, and doing a presentation on, on the archives exhibit that will be at the expo. So I couldn't be more thrilled, uh, more honored, more humbled than for Disney to come up and participate and be a part of what we're doing here. Absolutely. So it, I don't know that we would call it, in fact, they probably couldn't call it technically an official <laughs> seal of approval, but it's about as close as you can get, I think. Yeah, I, I'd like to think so. You know, building this over the last seven years, it, it's very rewarding uh, and exciting to know that uh, D23 is And now it's time for listener feedback on Stories of the Magic. Hey, Randy, this is Brian Levine, former Disneyland train conductor, and I thought I'd uh, tell you about a special trip to Disneyland that I made last September. Uh, my father is a graduate of California Institute of the Arts, or CalArts, and through his uh, association with the CalArts Alumni Board, we've gotten uh, gotten to know Alice Davis and my dad was on the original boards with uh, Mark Davis and with John Hench. And in the past 10, 15 years since uh, since Mark's passing, we've gotten a little closer with Alice. And I've always been telling my dad, you know what, Dad, you ought to call Alice and go to Disneyland with her for the day. So last September, 
I had a business trip planned out there. I called ahead and talked to Alice and said, Alice, how about going out to Disneyland for the day? She said, perfect, my schedule's open and I'd love to. Uh, Alice doesn't get out to Disneyland that often for just spending a day unless she's got family in town. So for her, it was kind of fun too. Anyway, the day started with me picking up Alice at her house uh, my sister and niece and nephew, my mom and dad, and a friend of ours were going to meet us at Disneyland. So I picked up Alice, drove with her in the car for an hour, talking, just talking stories back and forth about, especially wondering how many times Mark or she had done this drive from their house down to Disneyland. Uh, prior to the, prior to the day, my sister and I had been, uh, wondering how many people would recognize Alice. You know, how many, obviously the cast members in uh, in the gallery would recognize her, you know, but how many guests would recognize Alice? So we kind of laid a little bet. When we get to Disneyland, Alice likes to park at the, uh, at the Grand California. When we pull in the, uh, when we pull in the valet, just showed her Disney Legends card and her Club 33 pass, and automatically got valet parking. We get into the hotel, start making the walk from the hotel to uh, to the entrance of Disneyland. And along the way, I'm walking with Alice, and we get stopped by a very tall guy with his wife and two teenage kids. And he says, Alice, I'm surprised to see you here. Remember me? It's Pete Doctor." So Pete Doctor and his wife and kids had come out to the park for breakfast and to go do a few things on a Sunday morning and stood there in downtown Disney and talked to Pete. Uh we get to the we get to the gate, meet up with the rest of my family, and it was fun to see what happens when a Disney Legends card and a Club thirty three pass comes out because it's the first time I've ever seen it. Pretty much the gate opens up and whoever you happen to be with gets to come in. Now, the goal of the trip for me was, uh, I had three goals, two of them we got to do, but the most important one was I wanted to be, I wanted to get a picture of me on Main Street in front of Alice and Mark's windows with Alice. So, made a beeline on Main Street right there, and we got lucky too because they were doing some work on the, uh, on the market house, and they had left Mark and Alice's windows uncovered. So we spent about a half hour, 45 minutes on Main Street, right in front of her windows, and just enjoyed the enjoyed that, got pictures there, and of course we all took turns taking pictures. Uh, at that point, it's time for lunch. We went off to lunch, and again, the stories. Uh, just listening to Alice tell stories about what Disneyland was like when she first saw it, what it was like when Walt walked into the park, uh... My favorite story is how Mark would say, you know, all right, now that I'm an old man, Walt wants me to stop sitting at a desk doing animation, but he wants me to drive down to that park of his and walk around that big place and help spruce it up. So, it was fun to hear that story. Uh, from After lunch, we went out to It's a Small World, and I wanted to go on Small World with Alice. When we uh, we went in the wheelchair entrance because we had a couple of wheelchairs with us, and the young the uh, cast member there said uh, looked at Alice and asked her if she was able to, you know, this was a boat ride, and was she able to get out of the boat, or did she need a special wheelchair for it? And 
and Alice turned to the lady and said, I'm, I'm very familiar with the attraction. I did all the costume design for it. And we get down there, and I went back and told the cast member, yes, it's Alice Davis, and showed her legend card. Uh, shortly after that, we got a private boat for the eight of us to go take a trip through a small world with it. Um, Alice was telling us how some of the dolls that she had to work on were a little more complicated. She was showing us in places where some of her favorite dolls used to be, but they've been removed or they added, you know, when they added in the Disney characters or, you know, she was, she was telling us the stories of which dolls used to be there. Uh, she was also pointing out to us spots in small world where there was previously something going on but they took it out and instead of fixing the area they just made it dark over there uh from small world we went back down to uh coke corner and sat at coke corner listened to the piano player and just talked back and forth and she and my dad were talking about cal arts days uh, Alice was really interested in what my niece and nephew were doing and you know, hearing what the kids were up to and checking in on my kids. So it became just a standard conversation of family stuff for about an hour and a half. Then we went down Main Street again to the Disney Gallery, uh, went into the gallery and walked around. Of course, she got recognized in the gallery automatically by the cast members there because she's been there and done book signings. Uh, the artist that was doing the sketches recognized Alice but had never met her, so she stopped and came over and said hi. And Alice and I were we were looking around at the different artwork. She was um, not real happy with a new uh, rendition of the stretching room posters that were uh, that were on display there. But she said, "Yeah, that's what that's what they do. It's newer, a newer, updated version of the artwork." Uh, from there, one of the things I always have to do is ride the Disneyland Railroad, so we went up to the train station, sat on the train, went all the way around once, uh, went back up Main Street again to get something to eat, and had dinner sitting there, and then that was about it. That was the that was the entire time, and it was just wonderful conversations. We went back out to the car after dinner, and I drove Alice home, met her brother. We talked for a while because her brother worked on the railroad in uh, 1958-59 and Alice was worried that since I was heading to the airport for a flight that night that you know I needed to have a snack so she gave me an apple out of her uh, out of her refrigerator and then an orange from her garden that uh, that she wanted to make sure I had plenty to eat uh fast forward a little bit further in January I was back there I was back in LA again this time brought my daughter out there to visit with family while I did some work. Uh, we called Alice and said, Alice, would it be okay if we came over? And Alice gave us a guided tour of her entire, of the entire house and explaining all the artwork. The best part of the artwork and the best part of hanging out with Alice is how much she absolutely loved Mark and how much of a fan of Mark's work she was and how much of a fan of each other they were. It was uh, truly a great love affair. Anyway, wonderful memories, a wonderful lady. Thought you might enjoy hearing the, uh, the great stories with Alice. Thanks.
That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Don Morin for being my guest and to you for listening. Next time, we'll continue talking with Don and get some great stories about what's most exciting and fulfilling to him about the P&W Mouse Meet, his advice to you for following your dreams, and more. I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Choose from titles like my book, Faith in the Magic Kingdom. You can pick that or any of the 150,000-plus audiobooks as your free trial, and it's yours to keep whether you choose to continue your membership or not. To download your free audiobook today, go to storiesofthemagic.com audible. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com audible for your free audiobook. Since we're talking about supporting the show, let me also give you a reminder that I do need your help if I'm going to go to the D23 Expo and provide coverage for you, including some great segments like I did two years ago. To do that, whatever you can provide, please PayPal to me using podcast at storiesofthemagic.com as the receiving address. Again, all I really need is about $100, and I can handle the rest, so I'm really just asking you to chip in and cover the sum of the shortfall. Now, if you're doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, created a website, or a fan convention, maybe, you're blogging, writing, or performing music, art, whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who've worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience, and you've had an interaction with an, or an encounter with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or had any special Disney experience you want to share, I would love to hear from you, too. And it doesn't have to be something like a day at Disneyland with a Disney legend. Any special story would be great. For any of these, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while in the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. And a special thank you to Megan for leaving a recent five-star review on iTunes. I really appreciate it. I'm not going to read it here on the show. Some podcasts do. That's just something that I choose not to do. But if you want to see it, you can go take a look on the Stories of the Magic Facebook page. And I did put an image of it up there that you can take a look at. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories. And this tale continues next time. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.